Hello and welcome back to the Board Games Ireland podcast episode 9. I don't know, it's been so long I've completely forgotten. It hasn't been a while. Uh, Every past episode. It's been many board game filled months since since, since we Ah, last graced uh, the the podcast seas. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, it's it's just been a combination of like lots of work and also getting sick constantly for me. Anyway, oh, I was lured away to yeah. Hollywood um, uh, to that. Los Angeles for the um, you know the big stars doing the board game podcasts over there. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer does Carcassonne. Um, George Clooney does one on Ticket to Ride, and they invited me. They heard the podcast here. They invited me over whirlwind of parties and I ended up getting just um, hooked on Fanta nice. and then spiraled no, down no one ever wants to play Cards Against Humanity with Johnny Depp <laughs> he's always there with the box he takes it out always brings it to every party but no it's awful, like, it's, awful. No. it's embarrassing really it's, it's embarrassing the only bad him. thing it's the only bad thing you can say about Johnny Depp <laughs> uh, <laughs> apart from the, not if you're the Australian commissioner for dogs he oh, had yeah, a lot of bad had, things had the dog issue yeah. he made a big thing of it oh yes I know, don't yeah. sneak your dogs yeah. in yeah. No yeah, well, there was a spousal abuse issue as well and, and there was that so there's quite and, a lot of bad and things and many say. many years of bad movies as well I think he peaked with Ed Wood it's all been downhill since then there's a lot of <laughs> we could do a whole podcast bad things to say about Johnny Depp podcast but that's for a subject for another day an Edward board game would be good actually I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see that that would be you good could actually do something conceptually with that yeah, no. or a plan <laughs> nine plan nine from outer space like, board game <laughs> or it could even just be like a, a reteam of operation with uh, <laughs> uh, with uh, Bela Lugosi where you're trying to get him off morphine his addiction <laughs> um yeah, so, yeah, episode nine. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a long time because, yeah, as I was saying, I, I probably had consumption or something like that. Like, uh, like one of those nice romantic Victorian diseases. I've yes, you have a collection of those <laughs> yeah, in um, a box at home. Um, uh, but, yeah, yeah, so we actually haven't done a podcast since uh, BeakyCon. So, yeah, if you just listened to the podcast, you'd probably think it was like something horribly went wrong at that convention that we ran. But no, no, it was a tremendous success. Uh, <laughs> I went on a bender <laughs> immediately yeah. afterwards and, uh, and I'm funny. They've lifted you. They've then. lifted the embargo now. <laughs> we can talk about it again. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was great fun, actually. Yeah, great turnout. We filled the room. That was definitely a goal. <laughs> yes, and it was a big uh, room to fill. You know how I feel about rooms and filling them. Unfilled ones. Yes. Uh, Even if there's a space in the corner, you get nervous. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was really, really good fun. And, yeah, I hopefully get to do it again. So now that I'm starting to get a bit more free time again and I haven't contracted any uh, ailments <laughs> uh, so yeah I'll hopefully be able to get up and running start organising and uh, um, uh, run run BigGeekCon again the hard pronounced board game convention yes BigGeekCon <laughs> so when's the next BigGeekCon uh, I, can, I can't commit to anything just yet but probably in and around the same time okay but yeah if you need something to tide you over in the meantime NaveCon is coming up in just two weeks 7th of April 7th of April uh, so yeah, that's the the very good board game convention that is down in Limerick, and I think it's still on at the Castle Troy Hotel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. still on the Castle Troy Hotel. I I I'm all packed and booked and ready to go. Yeah, I, I'm again unfortunately because I'm still a little bit busy with work and things like that. I may when I, I won't, be, won't be able to make it down to this one, but maybe there's, there's generally another NaveCon later in the year, so I will try and make it to the next one. Uh, so yeah, that's NaveCon the seventh of April uh, in Limerick. So yes, look out for that. You'll find them on Facebook. I think that's the main avenue of communication 
for for, for, for NaveCon. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Cambridge, <laughs> for the Analytics. NSA, Cambridge Analytica, <laughs> Brexit campaign, <laughs> Trump campaign, uh, and 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 the the uh, um, Save the Eight Amendment campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's yeah, that's the con that went well. Uh, other news do have something else special coming up. Actually, the day before NaveCon, if you're in Dublin and don't have a job or go to school uh, <laughs> or college, um, if you're free, basically what I'm asking is if you are free on the afternoon of April sixth and around town, uh, if you would like to come to an impromptu, well, I guess it's not impromptu if I'm planning it two weeks in advance, a, a small mini sort of board game meetup that we're going to just do. On on a Friday, uh, which is normal, uh, purely because yeah, tele- television crew is going to film it. So if you're interested in coming along to that, uh, even if you don't want to, I'm sure we can just push you aside when the cameras are running. But you still want to come along to a nice yeah. fun board game meetup. If, uh, we- <laughs> if you're the kind of person, it's, it's, it's basically it's it's fake board games. No, no, it's going to be a real board game meetup, which will just have to be filmed, and it's on a day that we don't normally. Uh, do a board game meetup, but for the purposes of broad television it's broadcast, scripted. it's probably a meetup that took place on a sh- on a Sunday afternoon. But uh, they they're only able to send cameras on a specific this day. TV three we're talking about. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna audition people. They're gonna be you know you got to be the right look. It's got to be if they don't like your look, they'll replace you with like a porg with CGI <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why didn't they just get porgs yeah. in the first place? They could do the whole yeah. thing with porgs, and it would work fine. Um, too fine that would be the thing uh, you wouldn't <laughs> accept television any other format then <laughs> it would be all Pork Pork all the time um, so so yeah yeah if you just want to help out Board Games Ireland promote the hobby more so that's more what I want to do Board Games Ireland doesn't need promotion we're, 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 we're bigger than <laughs> yeah. Jesus at this point um, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah if you decide yeah, I, yeah I, I look at it as an opportunity to promote the hobby too because I can't imagine TV3 viewers Saturday afternoon TV3 viewers uh, probably know a lot about contemporary board games as they currently stand so I'm expecting to ask I wouldn't like to say I'm expecting to answer tiresome questions about Monopoly but let's see what we can do to promote the hobby (laughs) and perhaps open some eyes to, to how good contemporary board gaming is and uh, it has been good it's been very good past few months as uh, we've been playing a lot of games and like trying to compile a list of different games that we've played talk about today uh, it's been very difficult because I'm like wow how many of these have I played <laughs> um, so uh, yeah I guess we can sorry dip in um I mean, I, I know actually one that I was going on a lot, a lot about was, of course, that I've played a lot before was the Star Trek Ascendancy game. Now, I finally got the uh, expansions for that. So the Cardassian yes. and the Ferengi expansions. And they're really good, particularly the Ferengi expansion really changes stuff up because they work very differently to the other races in that they can't um, uh, they can't produce culture. Right. Uh, so all their planets are just geared towards uh, capitalization and industrialization because they know the price yeah. of everything and the value. Yeah, of nothing. but they're not making much poetry or <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, or anything like that. So the sound of tinkling. So the way they get culture, culture, I guess, is I I don't know importing TV shows from <laughs> whatever. So basically, what you have to do to generate culture is have ships in orbit around other players' star systems, and once you have a ship. Every ship you have in, around an orbit of another player's star system, that will generate one culture each round. So if you get your ships out there and very quickly, you will start to generate a culture. Now, why would someone let you park your ships in orbit around their planets? If you give them a trade agreement, they get one culture for each one of your ships that's in orbit around one of their planets. So the, the emphasis is there for them to want to let your ships in 
parked them around their system and yeah it's it's good for both of you because you don't do normal trade deals because normally in Star Trek Ascendancy trade deals work like everyone has a card with one two and three on it so right. if I meet the Klingons meet the Romulans uh, the Romulans give oh here's my three card here's your three card and each round you both get three uh uh, a tree production uh, or right. tree cult tree, yeah, tree production sorry it's production yeah it's yeah you get you don't I'm, I'm completely wrong you lost the thread uh, yeah there. I lost the thread no, yes it's production no it's production it's production yeah uh, the that's the secret yeah sorry the Ferengi can't uh, produce culture but they can produce huge amounts of production by having ships in orbit around other systems so you get production that, that way sense. but they can change production into culture Right. So we can convert, like, I think it's five production can be converted into one culture. Because otherwise it's just you get the same culture as them. Yeah, yeah, that would be way too much culture. Sorry, yeah. yeah, so incorrect. But yeah, so you generate a lot of production, which is also going to be used to build more ships to send out into around orbit around other planets. So very quickly to Frengi, it takes a bit of time to gear up, but once you are geared up, you start to generate a huge amount of production. And another thing you can do that's clever is you can rescind those trade deals and it's really difficult to get rid of all your ships because people would have to spend command tokens to, because mm-hmm. you only have like eight commands you can do each turn. So And someone would have to like spend, if you got eight Frengi ships around your system, you have to spend their entire turn just removing your ships and it means they won't be able to do anything else yes. and yeah basically losing a turn is a big problem in, in that game meanwhile the Ferengi are probably like are at the same time expanding their ships into another star uh, uh, player's systems yes. and generating production that way so yeah it's just a very different way to think and then everyone else around the table also had to think with that in mind as well about the Ferengi and how they operate um I also got the Borg expansion, which is the most recent expansion, and uh, I haven't really had the chance to fully experience it properly. Uh, there's a lot of interesting mechanics in there, but so far, I don't know. I, t- I, I, I know reading reviews and people's experiences, people seem to think the Borg make, are, are very difficult to deal with, and we haven't had that problem. So the first time I played the Borg expansion, we said, okay, we'll start with the optional rule where everyone gets uh, extra starting resources so we can get our ships and stuff upgraded uh, so we're ready for a Borg threat when it arrives. Yeah. Uh, Borg Trail arrived and we were take care, took care of it immediately. Next time, didn't do that. Just <laughs> had the Borg Trail arrive and again, it was, still wasn't that big an issue taking care of them. Like you, As long as you nip them in the bud quickly, they're very easy to take care of. If you let them like thrive and start building cubes and they start adapting to your weapon systems and things like that, there's lots of little nice mechanics in there to tie into the Borg. It's a very, very nice way of tying mechanics into into the lore of uh, of Star Trek, they do that with the yeah. whole, throughout the whole game. Uh, but again, very easy. So uh, next time, I might do the mode where the Borg start at the middle of the galaxy, and they'll be spawning cubes right from the get go. Okay. And so that's supposed to be hard mode. There's harder cards as well in the deck, and harder star systems are go into the shuffle into the pile as well. So. All of that might make it a bit more interesting, so I'll have to try it again soon and give the Borg a proper run for their money because uh, I haven't enjoyed the Borg expansion properly just yet. But I always enjoy the game. Um, I, and this I, yeah. is relatively subjective. I mean, Gavin is the kind of person who could easily brush off the Borg. <laughs> yes. There may be other players who... Especially Bjorn Borg. Or <laughs> 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 but... Um, uh, a port yeah, the, oh, oh yeah, I did also get the, um, I've gotten a few other little bits and pieces for it because I've gone all in on Star Trek Ascendancy. So I have also bought the Star Bases, which almost, this is almost a mini controversy corner. The Star Bases are not worth your money. Do not buy the Star Bases. <laughs> oh yes, they are. So these are I like three the star little bases. Star Bases for each, uh, for each faction. Like- so five factions so I spent about 50 quid to get all the factions and there are the build quality is terrible because they're A not assembled and B even worse than not assembled they're uh, you have to file them down with a knife 
Oh, sorry, Siri. Sorry, Siri's talking to me. <laughs> she thought, Sorry, I mean, Siri thought I was talking to her. And Siri's a special me. guest on this, on this podcast <laughs> today. Um, so, yeah. So not only do you have to, uh, yeah, clip the things together. Also, clipping them won't work. You need to glue these things together. But there's the sprue where they're attached to the sprues because uh, they come connected to the plastic. You have to pop them off the sprue. Uh, what's a sprue it's like the plastic that sort of that connects so basically it's the big plastic moulding they pull power it all in is that called a sprue yeah the sprues are the bit to connect those are sprues you never heard the word sprue no I'm pretty sure I didn't just make invent a new word so (laughs) so sprue (laughs) Uh, good good name for your firstborn daughter as well I don't recommend that (laughs) so um Yes, sprues. Uh, yes, that's so. But they 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 don't come off easy. I had to saw them off, and like I my hands were cut to pieces trying to saw off these stupid sprues. So they were bad sprues. Bad sprues. <laughs> sprues are rarely good. Um. So yeah, and some of them like still sit a little lopsided, and yeah, they just yeah they're a bit shit. They're not in the color. The plastic has different qualities, even on the same race. Like one Ferengi space station is clearly a different type of plastic to the other two. This doesn't it's sound controversial. Really strange. Well, I don't know what was going on, and for the price that they're asking for, to expect me to assemble my own space stations is crazy. Especially the Cardassian, I think, is like it's it's like nine different pieces of plastic I had to glue together for for the Cardassian star bases. Uh, it was a complete nightmare. Not other, nice though. I did buy another thing because, like I said, all in on an ascendancy. Uh, I got the dice. Each faction has its own little set of dice with their, okay. and instead of like a number six, it has the logo for that. That's faction. nice. Uh, so I like those dice. Uh, what else did I get? I never, I didn't get the playmat because I think playmat is only for four players, right? And I always play with five players. But doesn't so. it? I mean, it's this thing where you've got like the whole table is your. Yeah, is your exactly. Playmat. That's the nice thing. Yeah, you know, it's a big mat. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't like it. It's constrained to like four players, so it, it's, it's okay. it also has like optimal starting points for right. the home systems on as well which is kind of nice but oh well I'm not that interested in that um, they have announced their, their, the next two expansions as well um, I think, well I think the next expansion anyway is going to be the uh, the Vulcans and uh, and the Andorians are the next two expansions okay which is very strange because both those races are members of the Federation uh huh a key part of the Federation was the humanity and the Vulcans meet up and form the Federation that's part of like Star Trek history I'm not like a big Trek person but that's that's not in the new one in the new one in the alternative yeah no in the new one yeah in Discovery yeah in the alternative universe no in Discovery it's the same yeah in the alternative universe um, because that's a direct continuation from Enterprise uh, they actually in an episode of Enterprise they did two-parter which was all set in the mirror universe but it had no interaction whatsoever with the regular universe so there was right. none of the regular characters. The whole thing was just all the characters in the mirror universe. And it opens up on a recut scene from uh, Star Trek First Contact or Zeph and Cochrane first meets, played by James Cromwell, who was the farmer in Babe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, and he was, the, he was the very nasty policeman. Oh, yes, in um, LA, LA Confidential. Confidential, yes. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, yeah. So instead of like at the end of that movie, not to spoil that movie, but yeah, Vulcans land and come and shake hands with Zephyr Cochrane. And this, instead of shaking hands, he pulls out a gun, murders the Vulcans, and steals their spaceship. Uh-huh. Uh, so they recut it. And uh, yeah, so that's how the Vulcans in the Mirror Universe uh, right. uh, earth meet each other. Right, okay. Uh, the humans steal their spaceship and I guess subjugate them somehow. Eventually. But in the new one, I thought it was like the Federation's nasty. Yeah, no, that's a direct follow-up from Enterprise. So that's all still canon. 
Okay. Because uh, they mention, uh, yeah, uh, the Emperor, because, uh, yeah, the comms officer on Enterprise goes on to become the Emperor. Empress. Right, right, right. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, and they mention that, and they mention, because it's all about the ship, the Defiant, yeah, uh, comes through, which was in the original series episode where Kirk is like a ghost and floating around the space, and yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that happened in that TV show over over the years. <laughs> okay, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's just an unusual pick, but I'd imagine they picked him for a reason. I would have thought Dominion, the Dominion, would be the next big race to go for because you could do like, really interesting stuff with that. But yeah. I guess not. Maybe licensing. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, Star Trek Ascendancy. Still well worth picking out. Just don't go near those star bases. Do not do it. Don't do it to yourself. You you deserve better. Okay, so that's probably enough about Star Trek. Um, but if they ever do release a similar type of game, uh, but it's Babylon Five, then then I will never stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, do yeah. What so what what do you maybe you should talk about a game now? <laughs> yes, I will because I I I'll talk about um a new game I got quite recently called the um the Palace of Mad King Ludwig. Now this is a, a new game. Um, brought out by the makers of the Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Now, so there's two games, the Castle of Mad King Ludwig and the Palace of Mad King Ludwig. Now, the first thing to say about that is that's going to be very, very confusing for most players, particularly new players, because when you look at that name, to be to be honest, the bit you remember is Mad King Ludwig. You don't really care if it's a palace or a castle. You're probably just going to call it the Mad King Ludwig game. So it opens up all kinds of confusion about which one you're playing and everyone's going to think it's one when it's the other. And they're actually quite different games. Castles, which came out a couple of years ago, everyone builds their own castle. Um, palaces, it's just one castle. So reading off here, King Ludwig II of Bavaria has called all the great architects to design his crowning achievement, a world-renowned palace. Now, it's not quite that. It's basically... Um, cardboard tiles so it's a tile laying game and you pretend it's a palace i'm never really sure where this board game flavor ends and actual board game mechanics begin i mean obviously you're not going to imagine you're building a real palace that would be mad but you can sort of see it in the tiles and it's quite fun to put down different rooms there's like um as with castles there's different types of rooms like utility rooms or music rooms or sleeping rooms but in castles all these rooms are like crazy different sizes you've got big round ones and long ones and small square ones here they're all the same size they're all square and everyone's putting them down in the same place making designing the same building oh okay um and what i was thinking yeah they'd have to step up their game because i think uh what's it baron baron park the bear park game have you played that one i've heard of it but yeah i, I think that kind of took that same sort of uh, what did you you named the genre there a second ago tile laying tile laying yeah it's that same type of game but I think it it sort of uh, I think it was more polished experienced than Castles of Mad King Ludwig really but um, hmm. uh, I'm not crazy on either but uh, yeah I could see why Baron well it was just a lot quicker and a bit more distilled uh, okay but worth checking out if you haven't played it yet well, but I'm curious to know what Palaces is like well Palaces is made by Bezier games mm-hmm. Bezier basically they're everything they do is tiles they actually also do, I think, Werewolf. Okay. And it's still tiles. It's <laughs> mostly just tiles. Um, they also do Suburbia, which is a very, very big, elaborate tile lane mm. game. And this is kind of like a cross between Serbia, uh, Suburbia and well, Serbia, obviously. <laughs> uh, that would be an actually interesting game, a cross between Serbia and something else. But anyway, it's a cross between Suburbia 
and um, Castles of Mac and Lugwick. So it's got that kind of what Suburbia has and what some of these tile lane games often have is like many, many different ways to score. So this has that and it has sort of, for example, you have scoring by the way you lay down tiles. As you lay down tiles, you will have all the rooms have doors and you have to connect them up door by door. And as you connect a door, you may get a point, but the, another player may also get a point depending on how the rooms are were set down already. You can also block other players' rooms by putting a wall against them. So there's those kind of tactics going on right from the get-go. Where do you place your room? How does it affect other players? And you're always watching the other players. What are they doing at their rooms? And what you're trying to do, and this is one of the great things about this game, is you're trying to get swans. It's basically the the what you're doing is generating swans, and that literally means swans. There are hundreds and hundreds of little tokens with pictures of swans on them. And the player with the most swans at the end wins. And there's absolutely no reason for it to be swans. It's completely random. And I like that. Um, It fits with the theme of Mm -hmm. madness, but it's just lovely to have this thing where everyone's really, really desperately working out how many swans they've got. The swans come in different colours and there's mechanics where you can have different sets of them, a set of five different colours or four. You get different points for them. You also have black swans, which are secret swans that you flip over at the end of the game. You don't quite know what colour they are. Other players don't know. You might know. And another interesting mechanic is that as you as you play, um, as time goes by, you start building a moat around the edge of these tiles. And you start, every time you connect a room up successfully, um, you actually close all the r- exits in a room. Um, two things happen is you one is you get extra points and the other is that you can actually start laying down a moat and this moat goes around the edges of everything that's been built so far so as the game goes you're actually closing off all your possibilities towards the end of the game the possibilities get fewer and fewer because this moat is going to be going all around the edges of your castle until it finally joins up at the other end and then there's nowhere else to put tiles and that is the end of the game Um, there are mechanics where you get secret um, bonuses um, and there are interesting mechanics where the usual things you, you can get bonuses that help you break the rules of the game so normally you might not be allowed more than 10 whatever but with this extra card now you can do that mm-hmm. in this one you have a player board um, with these little um, sort of slots where you can slot in square tiles and you can either slot them in horizontally or diagonally but they operate like keys. If you slot in one horizontally, you get one specific bonus, but you block off the possibility of ever using the diagonal one. So you're always you're actually building a kind of a, a lock as you as you go through your game, which gives you only speci- specific bonuses for you and closes off other ones that you could have had um, during the game. So you're always trying to judge um, where you're going and what bonuses you'll want and what ones to lock off. So. Um, it's really interesting to play in that way. It has you definitely have to play it once, play it through once to yeah, understand. Yeah, you definitely have to play it once. Yes, <laughs> otherwise you haven't otherwise played, you it played it at all. At all. <laughs> yes, that's very clear in the yeah, rules. Yeah. They say that. They, they def- don't that. just finish reading the rules and then put it away. You need to play. You'll it Never again. play it again. <laughs> in order to say you've played it, you do have to play it. And um, yeah, so 
if you you have to play it once in order to understand fully the scoring and and how everything hangs together but once you do that it it clicks very very quickly and, and there are it's it's interesting because it's just about right you've got enough analysis for each move that makes each move really interesting for you and engaging but not so much that it's paralyzing everyone mm-hmm. else and also everyone else is really interested in what you're doing anyway because everything you do immediately affects them as the tiles go down everything changes um so yeah and uh yeah it's a great game uh definitely recommend it for people who like castles it's slightly different castles you're very much on your own and castles you're building your own castle and you've got these crazy room shapes and part of the fun of castles is you're basically building this crazy structure that's that's kind of it whereas this one everything's more compact so it's much more focused on the actual strategy and mechanics yeah because generally with those type of games it all comes down to who can get the piece first like the, you're generally t- all taking from the same pool of pieces yes and it's who can get that piece first so this yeah that's it seems like an interesting take on it yeah i would like to see a spin on it done where it's in because isn't there there was like a a lady who went crazy and kept building her mansion bigger and bigger and she was like a rifle heiress uh what's one of the big rifles that cowboys used to use i don't know winchester I want to say Winchester. But anyway, the Winchester heiress. Uh, was that the repeater? Uh, she, yeah, yeah, yes. They so, did the repeater, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they were pretty pioneers what, of... Yeah. The first one they did didn't repeat. Yeah. So it just shot once and then that was it. So it was, didn't really work. They did the repeater, didn't they? Then they did the repeater, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> they did the repeater. They did the repeater. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, she, uh, I don't know, she was like haunted from the ghosts of all the gun victims literally uh, well well in her she that's what she believed anyway whether it's true or not i don't know but the only way she could do this was like to b- keep building the mansion so the ghosts would get confused or something and not find her bedroom i i'm, I'm sure there was some logic to it. Like but uh, yeah her, 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 the, the winchester mansion uh, look it up it's uh, this amazing mansion with all these crazy corridors and stuff that go nowhere it's basically just that game <laughs> oh, okay i didn't know that yeah but can't ghosts just go through walls uh, yeah, but well, no. The reason ghosts go through walls is that's when you someone's made changes to the building. So where that wall was used to be a doorway. Oh, that's, that's like Ghost One Hundred One. So, so it is. So <laughs> it is possible then for ghosts to actually get lost. Yes, especially if the building yeah it keeps changing and yeah because they will still map to pathfind to, to the original structure. Right. Right. So they won't know like where the new base, rooms are. Basic there. ghost stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She could have just shot them. <laughs> no, that would just compound the problem. <laughs> have to again, yes. Should have shot them again. <laughs> that would just be repeating. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, okay. So what else have I played? Oh yeah, um, I guess yes. Um, yeah, one an interesting one that I picked up. One that I thought was going to be more interesting than it actually turned out to be, uh, but it is still interesting, but not in the way I thought it would be, <laughs> uh, is a game called Legacy of Dragonhold. Now, uh, the way this seemed to be marketed and what seemed really compelling to me was it was, yeah, Fantasy Flight doing their own sort of, like, Dungeons and Dragons, but in a box with board game components. Right. And it would be like a proper role-playing adventure, not like combat-focused f- or anything like that. Yeah. And I thought it was great. It was by, um, what's her name? Nikki... Uh, Nikki, let me just see. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Nikki Valance, uh, who also wrote. Um, a, 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 she wrote the Mansions of Madness as well, mm-hmm. that stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's from her. So she has she's 
writes a good a good adventure. Uh, so I thought this would be interesting. Um, but basically, it's it's not quite what I expected. But then what it is actually is quite nice, but not quite what I was looking for. Um, so what essentially it is, it's a incredibly elaborate choose your own adventure book. So you're familiar with the choose your own adventure books, yes. you know, that type. Uh, do you laugh at the goblin's penis? If so, turn to page 37. If you compliment the goblin's penis, then turn to page 95. That was a special section of the, <laughs> the adventure bookshop. Yeah, uh, yes, the, the riddle of the goblin's penis. It was quite the classic one. That, uh, Huge uh, book. I can see the cover art now. It's like <laughs> All 12 volumes of it. Yeah, that was odd. It was very, very prophetic because the name of your character in that was Stormy Daniel. So, uh, yeah, it's basically like that, but it's spread over multiple books. It's got maps. It's got like little props and stuff that you're only able to open up at at certain times. Right. uh, So... But it's got a really nice sort of tracker system. So you keep track of time. Yeah. It's a really interesting mechanic. It's hard to describe it right now. But I remember just being, because it's a few months since I played it. um, But I remember going, okay, that's a really, really nice system. But I thought it was going to be something that like, because five of us, like five of us sat down to play it. And because it says it's like up to five players. And it really isn't. It's really just a solo player Right. experience right. where you where, whereas we were just taking turns reading a book that was <laughs> the okay. multiplayer experience <laughs> and it didn't quite work it didn't wasn't particularly fun but still it was very well written I was enjoying what was written down there I'd recommend this more so if you were maybe on a long ju- train journey or plane and it was just two people and you take turns reading out the sections and making the decisions and stuff like that I think it would be really interesting and compelling for that well, that's really good because I'm going on a very long train journey with just one other person okay tomorrow so I'll get the game for that <laughs> um, yeah so yeah no it, it's really and the components are all really beautiful because it's just multiple there's like one gigantic book and that's like the town and mm-hmm. you go to different parts of the town and that those will seed you into different adventures and say and then there's like a, a five other large books Right. Which are then just these different little different adventures that you go off okay. to, yeah. and then you got like a big map of the town, and yeah, no, no, it's really, well, it's really nice. nice. Yeah. But yeah, it just wasn't what I was expecting, so I was disappointed. But okay. that's not to say it's bad. Okay, I think it's good, but it wasn't the kind of good I was expecting. And you had a as very such, I was kind disappointed. Of good in mind. But yes, yes, yeah, okay. Um, so there is still <laughs> something that could scratch the itch that I was hoping for, but that wasn't it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's Legacy of Dragonhold. Um, uh, oh yeah, another one that I got that was a Kickstarter game that I was looking forward to for quite some time, and it's a game that, uh, while good, it still wasn't quite what I expected. Uh, and that's the Deadly Premonition game, which is based on one of my favourite uh, video games of all time. Uh, it's a game that is in the Guinness Book of Records for the most critically divisive game. I think that's what the term is. Is that tennis one? Uh, no, no. It's uh, basically it's uh, it's got like really really high reviews scores and really really low review scores. Yeah, that tennis one where you got two bats. <laughs> no, no, that though no, everyone loved Pong. <laughs> Pong, that's the one. Uh, that De- was- Deadly Premonition is kind of just a rip off of Twin Peaks. But, oh yeah, but that's amazing. <laughs> More games should rip off Twin Peaks. <laughs> I think I hardly endorse that as a, a business plan, uh, as long as David Lynch doesn't sue you, uh, which they didn't. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, you're basically an FBI agent sent to a small woodland town uh, that is being plagued by a serial killer because the prom queen gets killed. Uh, and you're brought in and it, you connect it to a series of other murders so the FBI are involved and uh, there's a sheriff and there's little diners and it's got everything in there like, um, <laughs> like that Netflix show that also ripped off Twin Peaks mm. 
forget the name of it now. Okay. That, that one in the town. It's a town. Okay. It's the name of a town. Okay. Jug, Jughead is in it. Oh, Riverdale. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, first season was a bit Twin Peaksy, but yeah, second season I've been disappointed with Riverdale. It has a serial killer in the second season. Yeah, it has a serial killer in the second season, but that storyline doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, I was disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, Deadly Premonition, it's, it's good You're just because it's got this massive big town where everyone's going about their daily life and you go and talk to them and do all these things. And uh, the only downside to the game is it is a terrible, terrible game. It's really bad. The game Gameplay-wise, like playing the game feels okay. horrible. But... But everything else is because you imagined it. If you, if, you, if you forget all the game bits, but they're just walking around and talking to people and investigating stuff, uh, yeah. that's all really, really good and really compelling and the storyline's really interesting. Uh, uh, but yeah, the actual video game itself to actually play is not fun at all in any way. So that's why it's very... It's also the best... It's both the best game ever made. It's also the worst. Small woodland creature. <laughs> it's those Mexican jumping beans. <laughs> I thought you kicked your habit. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, yeah... Um, Amazing game, but also a terrible game at the same time. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm very fond of it. So I was interested to see the what to do with the board game equivalent. <laughs> this is a very confusing review. It was a Kickstarter for the board game based on this video game, uh, and uh, it's yeah, it's interesting. I like all the components and everything. There's like components that don't make any sense. I don't know what they're for, but like there's a velvet bag, and I don't know what you're supposed to put in that. But <laughs> uh, I got a mug as well, <laughs> which is the diner from the from the town. Put your you uh, put your hopes and dreams in it. Yeah. For, for a good board game experience put those in the velvet bag but uh, yeah so basically it's a sort of yeah you're cl- you've got a card in front of you with a bunch of suspects and we're, everyone's like an investigator in the, trying to figure out who the raincoat killer is right um and uh, so what you have he, to do is you have to eliminate sorry, the raincoat killer. That's the name of the serial killer. He wears, he he reds, wears a rain raincoat and so he doesn't kill rain no no he, okay. he only kills when it's raining okay as well Yes, hence there's the raincoat. A, there's a clue in that. <laughs> Maybe he's, yeah. Again, the raincoat may be inconsequential. It's just because he kills when it's raining, so he has to wear appropriate clothing. <laughs> he doesn't use the umbrella anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, you have to find out who the raincoat is. So you, everyone has, I think, six suspects in front of them, and what you have to do is eliminate your suspects so that they are no longer suspects. So you need to provide evidence that says, okay, they can't be the raincoat killer, right? And then you move them up. Uh, to the top or, or move them down one or the other right. uh, so you eliminate them so they stay in front of you but again uh, also they are also eliminated from suspicion if they're murdered by the raincoat killer as well because you can't be the raincoat killer if you're dead via the raincoat killer so no basically as the I'm game goes on, on the raincoat killer will be striking yes. and killing people yes. in the town yes. and if that's one of your suspects yes. you turn the card over and so then they're no longer a suspect because they're dead because they're dead yeah so it's one way of uh, eliminating so it's actually good for you if your suspects get killed okay so they're dead um, but then they could they can kill them no no they no? can't they, they, they can't so, so it's um, yeah so it's just another way of but if the raincoat killer gets enough kills, that's how the raincoat killer... Because one of the players is secretly the raincoat killer. Yes. And you're trying to find who their accomplice is, essentially. That's that's who the suspects are. See, the suspects are the accomplice. Okay. And the raincoat killer is actually one of the physical human beings sitting at the table playing right. with you. And, uh, yeah, their object is to kill uh, a certain amount of... Depends on how many players there are. A certain amount of suspects. Right. And uh, if they get that many suspects... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's So it's up to people who have evidence battles 
so you like play cards down and people think so I think that person is uh, um, uh, guilty because uh, I found a trace of hair at the uh, crime scene and then they'd have to play a card say no he can't be guilty because he was at the A&G diner that night and so you do these little evidence battles back and forth based yeah. on the cards in your hand uh, and th- those it's fun it's an interesting mechanic and everything um, and then eventually when you have all of your suspects eliminated uh, that from suspicion because uh, people can then move them back up so this goes on a long time right. so if someone plays evidence and says oh no actually I have evidence that proves yeah. he could be guilty so then you move back up uh, So, but once you have all of them down then you can make an accusation against another player and go I think you're the raincoat killer and I think this character here is your um, accomplice yeah. and you have to play evidence against that accomplice and they've got to again play evidence uh, against the evidence that you were playing yeah. and if they can't do that uh, the winner of that evidence battle eventually uh, if it's you and your accusation is successful uh, they have to reveal their, their loyalty card and if okay. the raincoat killer you win the game if they're not the raincoat killer that player is eliminated and every time it becomes that player's turn they have to roll this dice and that will kill one of the players in front of the, the characters in front of them huh. one of the suspects so it very quickly starts racking up deaths right my problem with this game is I don't know what the Renko killer player is supposed to do to give themselves away. Right. Because it's beneficial to kill yes. your characters. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's going to be doing that to some degree. Yeah. Obviously you go, okay, it's gone too far. But it's better just for the uh, Renko killer to sit back and let that happen. There's nothing to make a player be suspicious. Yes. So I'm very, very good at this game. Every time I've played it, I've nailed it completely with the evidence battles and everything I've been really really good at it and <laughs> but I've just like I've accused every other person at Sable <laughs> except the Renko killer and, uh, and it's always the last player I pick is the Renko killer and uh, I had no evidence to go I suspect why it would be them and and yeah it just comes down to that and then by that stage it's just getting harder and harder because the dice has been rolled constantly and killing yeah, people yeah. and they very easily rack up their kills so yeah I don't know it's like there's a mechanic missing it's like they needed to play test it a bit more and there needed a mechanic for yeah the Renko killer to like force them to give themselves away or there should be something to make people look suspicious and there doesn't seem to be any mechanic to be suspicious in this game yeah. so you're just guessing yeah. uh, who of the three other players is the raincoat killer because there's nothing to lead you to believe that any of the yeah. others are is and it, everyone's is, going to be against you anyway because no one wants you to win so people are going to be pushing your stuff down if you're getting close to the point where you can make the accusation a weather like weather mechanic there is a weather mechanic uh, that's how the raincoat killer kills there's weather and stuff like that so then can't they give themselves away like if it's raining or not raining um, well no because it's a there's certain cards that you play from your hand that will trigger the weather cards to turn and the weather cards some of them are very beneficial but some of them are uh, raincoat killer strikes oh, and okay, raincoat killer it. strikes then one of the cards in front, you roll the dice and one of the cards in front of you gets killed uh, okay. uh, so it doesn't really give you any information yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah. It's a, I, I, I like the game and it's fun but yeah it's just missing that one little bit to uh, to actually help you like <laughs> figure out who the Renko killer is um, but yeah um, that's, okay. that's it yeah, so okay. do you so want to talk about something I'm going to talk about Ticket to Ride okay. France um, Ticket to Ride France welcome to Ticket to Ride France a Ticket to Ride expansion that will challenge your habits for years you have been able to simply claim routes now you have to build the track first bit presumptive but it's true in my case um what attracted me about Ticket to Ride France is that when you look at it, all the tracks are just grey. Um, almost all of them are grey. And That's France for you. 
<laughs> you um basically what you can do you've got what you have is you've got loads of tracks all crisscrossing France and some of the tracks crisscross each other crisscross crisscross yes and Strangers on a Train yes, yes he did that good movie oh yeah that was Strangers on a Train yeah wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah they exchange murders but there was also Christopher Cross Christopher Cross he did come sail away yeah <laughs> <laughs> um He's not part of this game. And crisscross, crisscross and make you jump, jump. Uh, they used to wear their clothes back to front. That was their gimmick in the 90s. Two kids wrapped and they'd wear their clothes back to front and they go, warm it up, oh, Chris. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I you know them. me. Warm it up, yeah. Chris. I better not sing anymore otherwise we'll get contact, content yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> strikes no, no, against no, yeah. us. Yeah, because my singing is just too accurate. And we better, better put your clothes back on <laughs> the right way around as well. Um, but train tracks, yes. Yes, Go. train tracks. So they're different colours and they're all, you've got loads and loads of coloured bits of track of different lengths, two, three, four. So when you when you draw cards, like it's a standard ticket drive thing, you draw your cards, you play your trains, but in this case you draw cards and you lay down a piece of track on the map, like three yellows or four reds. You actually put it on the map and you can either... Um, claim a route on it then or just leave it there and there's only a certain amount of tracks so as you're placing them down they're running out when you actually lay down the trains on top the track goes back into the pool but there's a whole new layer of strategy now because you're not only just working you're not just sort of doing the thing you cycle through your cards you get more cards you get more trains you get more cards you're actually trying to work out for your routes and for your tickets when you're going to lay a piece of track and how you're going to do it because every time you do that you give yourself away because you're you're actually showing all the other players you probably want to go there and that means you've got a route going that way so it's very obvious to other players where you're where you're angling to go and they can um, lay tracks that cross your tracks and cut them off or they can take up all the other ones of that color or they can do all sorts of things to to mess about with you and your and your plans so what this actually this um really intrigued me because I, I liked the I just thought this is great, it adds this whole extra layer. What it actually does is basically add a whole extra layer of stress because Ticket to Ride is it it people complain that, you know, it it's basically you're always grabbing cards and grabbing more cards and then playing your trains. But it did have the virtue of being completely relaxing. You didn't really mm-hmm. have to think much much about it. But this one, it's like really tense it's very stressful because every time you lay a piece of track you know that everyone else can see it and that they're going to do something about it um and the routes are consequently harder to achieve because people will block you and people will do things to it does that solve the problem because whenever i play tick the ride i kind of break it because i just keep taking cards until i have like the entire deck in my hand (laughs) yeah there's no hand limit well, the thing is, every time you every time you take cards, you you probably want to lay down a piece of track, mm-hmm. and someone else will take it. Yeah, yeah. So that does solve the problem in the sense that when you lay down your trains, you, that card goes, that track goes back in the pool, and and you've got it. Then you've got those trains down. So you there is an incentive to get the trains out early. Otherwise, you're laying a whole bunch of tracks, and someone else will grab them. Someone else will lay their trains on them and screw up your route. So. There's that incentive there not to keep collecting cards, which is fine. That does work, but it does make the game more stressful because you're, you're always you never quite have enough cards to do what you want. And you're always keeping an eye on the tracks as well and how they're working. Um, 
yeah i i did enjoy it when i played it Mm -hmm. um and i would recommend it it's just that it's a it's a weird twist to the ticket to ride yeah sort of canon yeah, it's interesting, like, those old, sort of old-timer games now, <laughs> I guess, yeah. uh, how they have to keep trying to keep themselves fresh and keep releasing new ones. Like, I find Pandemic is really starting to reach now. Like, I've, oh, uh, I, they've I, got it. There's another one, what was it, Rising Tide or something is coming out soon. Rising Tide is coming out. Yeah. I, I, I haven't played the Legacy ones yet, but I think they knocked it out of the park with those. But I think as they keep reteaming, there's only so much that you can do with Pandemic. I've played the Legacy ones. I'm not a big fan of Legacy, mm. to be honest, because um, I don't know, it's 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 odd for me to play one game that lasts about 10 weeks Mm -hmm. and then um you don't play it again i don't i don't i find that as sort of somehow less than just playing a game over and over yeah i suppose but it's like it's how they build in uh basically ongoing uh financial returns from a board game now because yeah there's pandemic season two yeah um I, it, and it's similar you see a lot of games trying to do this and uh, like you see with Star Trek Ascendancy they, like their options for expansions are pretty li- limitless there they yeah. can just yeah. keep bringing out new ones and they keep adding to it and the suckers like me will buy that shit and uh, yeah Gale Force name are getting pretty yeah pretty into that type of thing as well like they um another game i played recently is their take on doctor who doctor who time of the daleks oh yes scale force nine as well dude star trek ascendancy uh they're generally quite good with their um movie licenses like their spartacus game is really good yeah uh i think they've done they do firefly as well i haven't played firefly but i think it's supposed to be quite good as well okay um but I was very disappointed with Doctor Who Time of the Daleks. Uh, now, I, but again, like their their expansions for that is like they're like basically like DLC almost for video games because uh, yeah, the core game comes with four Doctors. They're yeah. four of the more popular ones, but uh, yeah, but they're going to release each Doctor separately okay. and see so build up to thirteen or whatever there are now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they have a lot of scope to expand. You got fifty years of television, yeah. <laughs> or well, actually, almost fifty-five years now, obviously, uh, of television they can if they can draw from. Um, but uh, yeah, it it. Uh, my problem with that game is again, if it needs to be play tested more or something like that. Um, it's similar mechanism to uh, is it Elder Sign the one where you roll the dice to try and have you played Elder Sign? Um, I'm not you're, sure. You're building up a pool of dice and cards that augment those dice rolls and I don't think and so. things like that. It, Elder Sign's quite good fun because it's quick and yeah. uh, it, you can quickly work out what you need to do. Uh, this it's complicated. You you the cards how you augment your dice rolls and and there's like different sets of dice and you're like okay well this dice doesn't have a chance of giving me the result I want at all so yeah. I'm going to remove that dice and by removing that dice I get another bonus elsewhere right. uh, and things like that and so you have to do all these calculations and sometimes it's just impossible and like on my very first go the challenge I had I failed just because the dice roll wasn't good yeah. and it penalizes you you kind of lose cards for failing that yeah, so you're d- damaged. And that meant every subsequent challenge I met, it wasn't even just the fact of, oh, if I uh, if I roll really good, if I get a good roll, I can still pass this. It was like, no matter how I roll, I can't do this. <laughs> I might as well just like, uh, uh, do nothing. Because, yeah, th- th- there's no way for these dice to produce the results that are required on, yeah. like, the card. Uh and yeah, it's just crazy. So it penalizes you, and it just, it just keeps getting harder and harder because you keep losing challenges. So yeah, you keep yeah. uh, so losing abilities, and so it's basically luck. Y- well, it's not even down to luck. If it was just luck, I could probably win sometimes. But it was actually impossible for because <laughs> it was penalizing me for having bad luck on the first round. Yeah, and from that point on, it was just like 
couldn't it would look wouldn't it wouldn't even play into it, it okay was just, uh, uh, i wish luck would play into it and now for those who were ch- charging ahead it, it, they were probably having fun but uh, again it took a long time for people to work out so it would take like there were only four players it would take like an hour for it to get back around to me wow. like, like the downtime was as bad as star trek ascendancy but there wasn't anything interesting happening yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah i know i wasn't a fan at all now i like the um there's a lot of like flavor on all the components and the cards and the text and going back through again just mining that uh 55 years of uh of doctor yeah. who history so like if you're a doctor who fan there's a lot of fun stuff in there a lot okay. of stuff to take uh, into account but uh yeah yeah I, I i was not a fan at all uh in just yeah it just punishes you for not okay. winning <laughs> well speaking of pandemic um i played pandemic iberia mm-hmm. which is um, oh yeah that's based on a true story Yes, Spain. <laughs> Iberia. <laughs> <laughs> um, based in Spain, in the I think it's in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. And you're mostly trying to um, purify water. Um, you're stopping the spread of cholera, typhus. Yeah, yeah. It was ty- big typhoid. Malaria. It's another one. Yeah. And another nasty one. Um, you get to... I, I, I've had them all in the past few months. <laughs> I've been running my own pandemic <laughs> legacy inside my own body. Because you collect, <laughs> I told you, collecting Victorian diseases is not a good idea. Yeah, season three of pandemic is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very, very it's interactive. A, real disease. <laughs> um, that's the legacy it gives you. La- lasting, lifelong <laughs> diseases. Um, yeah, Iberia is... Um, it's, it's good fun. It has extra elements because there's no planes. So instead of traveling from one town to another by plane you actually lay tracks and you build railways um and they let you just go from one end of the railway to the other end that's a nice extra addition to it it's got a nice um theme uh this one the theme really does sit well with the game you can almost imagine you genuinely are fighting disease in 18th century spain um and that's fun as well um i enjoyed it a lot um and again I prefer that to the idea of a legacy game. Um, I think with the legacy games, it people got very excited about Pandemic Legacy because they already knew Pandemic. So mm-hmm. they wanted to see... The, the draw there was to see what directions they could take Pandemic in, what new things could they add to Pandemic that would make it interesting over a long haul. Whereas another one that came out, um, Seafall, was a completely original legacy game and didn't do as well Mm -hmm. because nobody really knew what it was about from the beginning. It didn't have that base that Pandemic already has. Um, Yeah, I've heard... What's the other one? I think a few people in the group have been playing it. The... uh, Oh, it's it's kind of a worker placement legacy game. Okay. Uh, Oh, I'd know the name if I think of it. It's got quite a colourful box. Uh, but no, it's not coming to me now. But it's kind of yeah. colorful box. Colorful yeah. box. But from what I've heard, is it's it's a very basic worker placement game, but sort of evolves as okay. the thing. So, but you start off with a pretty yeah. Boring. That sounds like Seafall. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like what they were saying about yeah. Seafall as well. It starts so that if it's a new game, they kind of have to start off really simple, mm-hmm. and it's a difficult judgment to make. How boring do you make it to begin with? To to add in all the extra bits later on. So I I to be honest, I I just liked 
Iberia and it's one that you could play over and over again and you know yeah I did like the uh, historical component on it and I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah I think a, um, a a journalist approached me uh, last year who was doing a piece on just um, yeah on m- medicine and uh, things like that what education components and board games and I suggested yeah that, that, that pandemic Iberia because <laughs> uh, as just one that I was taking um, um, a scientific uh, <laughs> situation were, and uh, putting it in a, a from a historical context and putting it into a game. I'd like to from, see. They, I'd like to see them do a good one. If they could do some interesting one about was it London where they worked out um, again? I think it was cholera. Um, it, the guy who figured it all out. You did it by um, using maps. Yes, and he that's worked right. out the infection rate correlation to the and it was just yet to one specific water pump yeah. and that's where the infection was all spread yeah, from yeah, yeah. and like they recently applied that as well to um, was it Haiti uh, they could tell that the UN were responsible for the cholera outbreak because A it was a strain that had come from China or something okay, and which wouldn't have been there normally and yeah you could see on the map where the outbreak came from where they dug their latrine at the UN camp well that's what that's what um, Google have been doing that with correlations as well so it'd be nice to tie that into yeah uh, maps and correlation into fighting pandemics well they've worked out um, that's what they're doing so they've worked yeah. out for example when a when a flu pandemic is about to break out that um, in general people go to pharmacies more and will buy more specific things that they wouldn't normally buy mm-hmm. flu prevention stuff so then they can turn that round and they can actually work out what areas people are doing that and the likelihood of a pandemic actually breaking out there just from people's buying habits mm-hmm. in pharmacies. So, oh, it's also interesting how um, yeah Tesco club card points can predict when someone's gonna is pregnant before <laughs> before yes. they know. Yes, uh, they've right. had issues. So they'll, they'll start sending you vouchers for like nappies and stuff. And because uh, yep. uh, yeah, you're buying specific combinations of snacks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's a scary, scary world. It's. Uh, no, that's not scary at all. Oh, it is very scary. It's not as scary as a repeating Winchester <laughs> shooting ghosts in an endless house. That's scary. Well, I, I, I don't. Uh, I only have one loyalty card. It would be unfair. It wouldn't be very loyal of me to own a loyalty card with more than one supermarket. So <laughs> I don't know where people get off on having multiple loyalty cards. No, I've got, I've got a Tesco. <laughs> I've got the Tesco disloyalty card. Let's me shop anywhere I like. Uh, what are games um, actually one that might have fallen because again I don't think it was we had it because I'm trying to think once that I'm like oh I've been playing that for ages uh, Secrets is one we've both played Secrets yes that's the one with the really nice components the big clunky I thought, we were, I thought we weren't going to tell anyone about that one <laughs> no no, no, that, that, no that was the secret <laughs> uh, yeah uh, which is a, yeah no yeah uh, yeah, secrets, secrets is uh, is it the uh, yes that's yeah I was going to make a joke and about it, that book. It, yeah. Were you? Yes. What joke about it? Because I got ten of them. Okay, well you press on with them because uh, it's, <laughs> it's a book. It's on your belaboured secrets. Yeah, it's got it's got like forty pages and mm. it's just got one one thing written. On, it's the same thing written on each page, just a secret. That's it. That was that was joke one. <laughs> joke one of two hundred twenty nine. <laughs> um, yeah, it, but. Uh, the secrets game it's oh it's uh, it's uh, it's what's his name again Eric Lang isn't it he's one of the designers on it you have to remind me of this I've completely forgotten everything about it it's, the, it's got the really big sort of oh, plastic yeah, the, tokens the, the, the nice and, they feel the nice stuff. to click yeah, together yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. good one yeah. yeah it's quite good again it's another one of these because 
Uh, I do like these sort of hidden loyalty social deduction yeah. type games yeah. and this is an interesting spin on it because it's it's hard to, getting harder and harder to find ones that are fresh yes. and I thought this one is just different enough because I get bored of them very quickly yeah. Yeah. well not very quickly it's just yeah because we, we do like those type of games at the meetup people we tend to just play them to death until it's like when you find a song you really like and just listen to it like a hundred times in a row and then the song is broken well it's like <laughs> it's like you play it so much that you know just as someone scratches their eyebrow you know they're the killer or whatever it just becomes you work out all the possibility ways of knowing it so much mm-hmm. that there are there's repeat ways that people do things there's mistakes that people make all the mm-hmm. time so you can in- eliminate everyone really fast that's when it becomes boring yeah yeah uh, but Secrets is different because, yeah, there's a more of a sort of a random element in it. Like, you can't completely... Because, yeah, basically everyone has a loyalty, but it's it's this token that's runs you. Lovely components, as you yes. um, Like Bakelite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's in front of you. But then there's mechanics that come up that will swap those tokens around. So you'll end up not knowing what the hell you are. And that's fun. Yeah. Normally, I'd go, oh, that's kind of frustrating. But it's actually kind of fun to be yes. confused in yes. that game. I really do like being confused in that game. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, it's really good. It's all got a Cold War team. You have CIA and KGB against each other. But then you also have hippies. And the hippies... Want you want to lose. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the, yeah, yeah. You don't want... The hippies win if they have the the least amount of points. Yes, that's so right. you want to have the most amount of points, but make sure the hippies don't have the least amount of points. So it's this real bit of balancing the act. Mechanic, the nice yeah. mechanic is that you have these two cards, one you keep and one you pass on to someone else. Yeah. And it's working out from what's being passed on to you or what's being passed on to other people, what other people are trying to do. Yeah. And again, yeah, you don't. You can also lie. You can, everyone sees the two cards that are come out, yes. and then you take one of those cards secretly and put the uh, at the bottom of the deck one of them, and then the other one you hand to another player. And you can be truthful and tell them what it is, or you can say, "Oh, it's the other card," yes. when it actually isn't. And they have to decide whether to trust you or not. Yes, that's right. And so generally, the card when it goes in front of them, they get the effect of it. But there's one or a few other cards that they have to take that card and then put in front of someone else. Yes. So and by watching, but, watching yeah. what people are doing with exactly. That, and, nice. But if you've figured out what what loyalty they are you can tell them oh but you can put that in front of me yeah. and you can sort of work out trust and stuff that way yes. but there's lots of little interesting things in it and it scales very well as well because depending on the different players different amounts of information right. is available to yes. you sometimes you'll get to see what the person to your right has and things like yeah. that yeah. Uh, so yeah yeah no 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 I definitely recommend Secrets a cheap little game and lovely little components and it's just a nice little it only takes about 10-15 minutes to play yeah. and uh, my and actually my problem watch out because I the copy I bought first um, was missing a KGB token and also the KGB tokens the ink must have been wet when they went in the box so the back of the hippies were dyed red so you could easily tell at a glance classic KGB target. tactic so I had to wait for it to come back in stock but luckily yeah, um, they, they took care of me in the shop and gave me a new copy eventually <laughs> um, and just on that one and it's always a good sign with the game is that every time it's been brought out with the group everyone's enjoyed it new players everyone it's always been enjoyed every time it's been played by everyone I haven't had many players walk away from it going oh, I wish yeah, I like yeah. that yeah whereas uh, so, again that uses was a uh, masquerade uses similar mechanics yes and I wasn't a fan of that at all no because that you 100% don't know what you have and it's, it uh, is yeah. very confusing yeah that's, that's passing stuff under the table yeah yeah, it's just, yeah I wasn't crazy on that one at all um, yeah another game then we probably should wrap up first I'm just talking about one more game uh, do you have one more you want to talk about or we can yeah. leave stuff till next week I don't do mind leaving till next week yeah because a few others I'm t- as I'm talking I'm going oh yeah yeah there's last Friday as well to talk about that but we can yeah. do, we'll do that we'll fri- there's a Friday and, the 13th coming up soon so and the I'll weird thing was that. you talked about that um, Twin Peaks game mm-hmm. right 
it's the only one you actually did talk about seven months ago on the last podcast. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, so I will save that because, yeah, there is a Friday the 13th coming up next month, I think. There's definitely one on the way soon. So okay. we'll release a very special Friday the yes. 13th podcast. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, what I wanted to talk about is very good because we also gave it away as a star prize at the BiggieCon raffle, uh, which was Century Spice Road. Have you played it yet? No. Oh, it's really, really good. It's okay. similar like, like a mechanism to something like um, Splendor, that type yes. of like you're building an engine yes. to generate yep. uh, resources. And yeah, no, no, it's really, really nice. Uh, it's hard to describe the world, but basically, yeah, you've got like it's cards, you're building up your deck and that deck is like basically how you generate these different spices and then you're trying to cash in those spices to get these scorecards. Right. And it's really that simple. It's really easy to teach people. People have picked it up very quickly. And it's then it's already just down to how you play it. And those little engines you build, like, okay, I convert these cubes into those cubes. And then I play this card, it'll turn those cubes into yeah. these cubes and so on. And this playing this card will just create cubes. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. And what's going to be particularly interesting about it is it's part one. So there's going to be two more parts and each part will be playable on its own or, or you can merge them all together and just like gestalt nice. yeah. board game. It's yeah. like this mega ultra board game. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. And again, it plays into like ongoing monetary returns from a single board game. So how do you yeah, make, yeah. <laughs> get people in and then keep getting their money for the same thing? But at least it's, they're supposed to be each one's a different standalone game, yes. but they can also combine together. Yes, it's better than just doing mm. the same game, but calling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, you know. But actually, they have also done that. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's Century Spice Road Gollum right, uh, right. which is the exact same game but it is skinned for the the Caverna universe so it's set okay. in that, that realm so I think it's got really interesting components and stuff in it but uh, it's not a game that needs any of that it's just basic cards and the cubes are nice and there's little bowls for the cubes and yeah. oh there's nice metal uh, toke score coins Okay. Nice. So yeah, it's yeah. it's all a lovely little piece. Not that expensive either. I don't think I paid that much for it. So for what you get, it's it's really good. Very okay. good game. People always ever ever it brings a smile to people's face and they go, Oh, I've got this and they go, Oh yeah, definitely want to play that. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to give good, that one a good go. little game, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we probably should wrap it up there because it's been about an hour. Uh so yeah, thanks yes. for listening. Not Hopefully just we'll it's been about it, but because uh, studio time, not just oh yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I do have to get out of here soon as well. Yeah, it's not like we're 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 obsessed with hours. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get back into the rhythm of doing this again frequently. Uh, like I said, we'll be running a meetup for uh, the TV shoot on April sixth at one p.m. But feel free to arrive earlier. I think Alfie Burns opens at twelve, uh, so that is Friday, April sixth at one p.m. So come along. And uh, we'll have a little meetup on a weekday, and, uh, and you can bring bring your most visually vibrant games. Yes, because you'll be on TV. <laughs> be on TV. We want to we want to promote the hobby, and uh, yeah, I'll make a, a meetup on the the meetup page so people can see that there. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, do, you, do you have anything else to say or? Yes, I do. I was going to talk about custard creams for for about um, fifteen minutes. But I'll probably have to cut that now. Yeah, yeah, the custard cream half hour. Well, we'll get you your own custard cream podcast for that. You said you promised me I could do it. You said I could talk about custard creams as much as I like, but it's too late now. It's gone. Okay, so yeah, thanks for listening from me, Gavin, and from Frank. Frank. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all for us. Happy, 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 happy. 
Board gaming? That's what you people do. It's play board games. That's what all the kids do these days. Yeah. Yeah.